This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. You can go ahead and grab some teaching notes from your programs, grab your Connect cards from your programs. You're going to want to fill out that Connect card now because there's going to be a little bit of time later where I'll give you some chance to do some responses with that, then you'll be dropping them in some baskets. So, Make sure you grab it now, get it filled out. When you feel like there's a, a boring point in the sermon, which I've got to be honest, there probably won't be, but if you feel like there is, that would be the time to fill out your card, or just go ahead and do it right now. <clears throat> if we haven't met yet, my name's Kevin. So, so glad you're here. Uh, there are a thousand places you could be. Uh, you could be sleeping after your kids got back from homecoming an hour past curfew. You could be grounding them. You know, uh, there are a ton of things. You could be watching football games or baseball games, I, but you're here. And you're here because I believe there's something for you in this place. Uh, we're not here simply to give, although we are here to give back, but it's in response to something that is happening in this space, which is that God is here, and God wants to meet with you. He wants you to encounter Him. He wants your life to be changed, and it happens as you open yourself up, as you engage with Him, as you explore the realities that He has for you. And we're, we're wrapping up a series right now. This is our fifth week in heaven, hell, and the end of the world. And throughout this series, we've uh, been asking some big questions, uh, and we've come to some answers, but not all the answers, because the truth is, We don't know all the answers, and when we don't know, we just say we don't know. For example, here's what we do know. We do know that one day, at some point in the future, the world as we know it will end. God promised it. He said that at some point, this whole big, beautiful mess that we call earth and life will end, will cease to be the way that we know it. It'll happen quick, but we don't know when that will be. It could be in 10 minutes. It could be in 10,000 years years. Jesus actually said, you know what? No one knows the day, the time, the hour that that day will come. Not even him, but only God the Father. But that day will come. And we know that that day will come for some of us potentially sooner than it comes for the world as a whole. Maybe we've got 30, 40, 50 years until that day comes when we close our eyes and we open them in eternity. Maybe we've got 30, 40, 50 minutes. We just don't know for sure, but The question that I've asked you to be asking throughout this entire series, if you remember nothing else, if you don't remember the topics each week, if you don't remember all the scriptures we used, the one question that you should leave with, that you should remember, is this. How does what happens on that day, the day that I close my eyes and wake up in eternity, how does what happens on that day affect my life this day? And I promised you that if you can answer that question, that that day actually does play back and have an impact on this day, it will change this day for you. It will change your relationships. It will change the way that you view work. It will change the way that you view your free time, your finances, your resources. It will change the way you view everything. If you continue to ask that question, how does that day, the day that I I stand before God, how does that day affect my life this day? And last week we talked about the reality that God wants us to be free from regret. He wants us to be people who have freedom in our lives, and the best way to do that is to live fully surrendered to Him. Today I'm going to get real specific about what it looks like to be fully surrendered to God. I want to give you a quick note. If you're new here today, 
If you haven't, uh, you weren't raised in the church, this is a new experience for you. A friend invited you, your husband or wife asked you to come, you're here with your kids, but this isn't your norm. I want to tell you, you have the upper hand today. You really do, because you don't have a whole bunch of your church tradition telling you certain things, ringing in your ears, because the topic we're going to talk about is going to grate against some of the tradition that we've heard growing up. So if you're new today, you actually have the upper hand on people who come to church every week. And that's pretty fun for you. For the rest of you, I'm sorry, but you know what? You'll catch up. Don't worry. We're in it for the long haul. We're in it together. And I want to say this too, if you're new with us today, if you're just visiting, you're just checking out Christianity, you're checking out God, I'm so glad you came. I mean, I I literally, we, I get up on Sunday mornings for you. I love everybody who comes, but I get up for you, the person that's never been here before, that's never really connected with God, that's trying this out for the first time. We created this place for you. We want a safe place for you to come, to experience God, to ask your questions, to get some answers, to wrestle with things that are happening in your life. And I couldn't be more excited that you're here. And actually, uh, I have a gift for you just for joining us today, because we know, and you might not know this yet, but we know that God loves you with an incredibly deep love. And so because he loves you, we love you. And we want to give you a gift to say thanks for being here. So if you would just drop that connect card in the basket a little bit later when they're passed, go out to our kiosks in the center of the lobby. There are some guest gift bags. There's some really great stuff in there. You definitely want to pick it up. All right, here goes, everybody. Now, get ready, new people. You're in for a treat. Those of us who've been around for a while, we're going to have to unlearn some things today. I'm going to say a statement that might cause you to have some sort of internal response right now, and that's okay. Identify it, live with it, explore it. Here it is. We get into heaven. We get into heaven based on what we believe. It's called faith. But we get rewarded in heaven based on what we do. And the church... And I mean big C church, like the one church that meets in different places around the world. The church has always wrestled with this topic. We get into heaven, we're saved based on a belief, but we are rewarded in heaven based on action. And you were raised in probably one of of two uh, sides of a pendulum that swings back and forth in various churches. One is you know what, I prayed a prayer when I was a kid or I was born into a church and therefore I'm saved and it has no impact on my life today. It's by God's grace that I've been saved. I just have some faith in him. Maybe I prayed a prayer. Maybe I went to a class and now I'm in, but it doesn't really impact me. And then some of us come from a pendulum on this side that says, because of who God is, I have to work, work, work to earn my way into heaven. So for some of us, our faith doesn't impact us at all, and some of us think that if we work hard enough, we'll get into heaven. But the reality lies somewhere in the middle of the pendulum. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, by grace you've been saved, through faith. Your faith in God because of his grace towards you. This is not something you've done yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by your action, not by your works, so that no one can boast. And then he goes on, To say the other side, we are God's handiwork. We've been created in Christ Jesus, catch this, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're saved by something we believe, but we're saved for action. 
We're saved to do certain things. We're saved to live a certain way. And I want to say this. Based on the way you live your life today, God wants to give you rewards on that day. We just sang a song that said, God, we don't want blessings. We just want you. And that's the reality of it. We don't serve God. We don't work. We don't do good deeds for God's blessing. We do it because we've experienced God's grace. We've experienced his love. God has changed us. He's transformed us. He's taken some things from us, like he's taken our shame and our guilt and our sin and our regret. And he's given some things to us, like he's given us his spirit that lives inside of us and allows us to do what's right. And he's given us his love, and he's given us a relationship with him through his son. And so we've experienced all this stuff from God. And if you have never experienced that, then all the stuff we're going to talk about later about the way we live and our works and our action are going to sound a lot like this side of the pendulum. I have to earn my way in to heaven. But that's not what we're talking about. See, it's by grace we've been saved. God is so good. The Bible says that while we were far from God, while we were enemies of God, God gave his only son to bring us back to himself, to make us not just friends of God, but family members of God. And in response to God's love, in response to God's grace, we're called to act. We're called to do certain things. We're called to live in a certain way that brings about God's blessing both here, but also we're going to see there. Jesus was talking to his uh, disciples. It's a group of these 12 guys who followed after him. And he was talking to them one day about what it means to be in a relationship with him. And this is what he says to him in Matthew chapter 16. Whoever wants to be my disciple, and we'll unpack that word in a second, must deny themselves, must take up their cross, and must follow me. For whoever wants to save their life ultimately will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will ultimately find it. For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And Jesus is trying to talk to his disciples about what it means to be in relationship with him. And notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, if you want to be in a relationship with me, you just believe in me. You just pray a prayer and go on your way and have no change. He says, if you want to be in a relationship with me, you have to be my disciple. Now, disciple is this really interesting word because if you were living in Jesus' day, this would make total sense to you. Every Jewish teacher, every Jewish leader had these people that he called disciples, and they were these like mini-me's that followed him around. And the mini-me literally tried to look like, tried to be like, tried to act like the man, tried to act like their teacher, their leader. So whatever they saw their leader doing, mini-me would just respond in kind. Whatever they saw their leader saying, mini-me would just say the same thing. And the goal of the disciple was to become like the master, to become like their leader, to become like their teacher. And they could expect that whatever their teacher got, they would get. And Jesus says, do you want to know what it means to be in relationship with me beyond my grace saving you? Do you want to know what it means to be in relationship, a relationship that changes you? He says, you have to be like me. And this is what it means to be like me. You have to deny yourself. You have to say, you know what, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. 
and you have to take up your cross. And then he wasn't talking about jewelry, ladies. He was talking about death. See, we see crosses, and they're, they're cool. Like, I, you know, I got a big cross. I got some bling that sometimes that I, I wear. And some of you ladies do too in your ears and your neck, maybe on your nose. I don't know. Um, but that's not what he's talking about. The cross was like this torture device that the Romans used. It was the most excruciating way that they had figured out to kill someone. And what, the, what, what, what happened with Jesus wasn't what happened with you when you were crucified, is you would literally have to go to your cross that was made, and you'd have to pick up your cross, and you'd have to carry your cross. And you'd just been beaten, and you'd been hurt, and then you'd have to carry your cross to the place where you were going to be crucified. So you're carrying your, 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 carrying your electric chair. You're carrying your uh, lethal injection shots. And Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you have to do what I do. You have to pick up death to yourself and carry it around every day and say, you know what, God? Metaphorically, I'm going to die to myself today and live for you. And literally, if it comes to that, I'm going to die for myself and live for you. And he says, if you do that, you might lose your life. But you know what? You're going to gain something greater. He's basically saying, look, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the boss. You're the employee. If you want to follow me, it's a 24-7, 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week job, full-time. But you know what? The benefits are pretty good. You have some good friends. You have community. Um, the, the benefit package when you die, outstanding. Okay, heaven, very good. <laughs> Life insurance now. I do miracles. You know, I'll heal you sometimes. I'll do some things. So, but, you know, it's hit and miss. We've experienced the miracles. Sometimes we don't. But it's worth it, he says, to pick up your cross and follow me. And if you do that, you're going to be my disciple. And if you're my disciple, we are in a relationship together. And that's what God wants for us. He wants relationship. He doesn't want just belief. Basically, what Jesus is saying is this. I want people who experience my love and then fully commit themselves to me. 100%, no looking back. I want people whose lives are changed. And the question is, have we experienced God's love to the extent that we are going to surrender ourselves to him and say, all of, all of I have, all that I am is yours. I'm fully committed to you. When I married my wife, when we were dating and getting engaged, I, I made a bunch of commitments to her. I'm a talker, you know, and I'm very kind of a romantic guy. And so I said, baby, you know, uh, that's how I started, baby. She really likes that. <laughs> baby. Now whenever I say baby, she says, we're done. <laughs> Two is enough. I said, baby, I love you so much. I really do, and I, can't, I could not live without you. You're everything to me, and I want to give my life to you. Me, me and you. You're mine. She said, oh, that's great, Kevin. And pretty much I remember her saying, like, you're the, the biggest, most attractive person I ever saw. Stuff like that. I mean, I don't want to involve you guys in it. Now, what if next weekend you went out on Friday night and you saw me on a date with another lady? And you came up to me and you were like, Kevin, what are you doing? Didn't you make this commitment? You just said on Sunday, I committed to my wife. I'm fully hers. What are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I, I am. I'm fully committed to my wife, but you know, there are a lot of lovely ladies in Petaluma, and sometimes I just like to take them on dates. You know, we have a nice time, you know, yada, 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 you know. You, you would be 
angry, and rightfully so. And you say, you haven't committed anything to your wife. You just said words. Commitment is giving yourself fully to her. And what if I went home and Maria was like, hey, how was your night, Kevin? I was like, you know, it's pretty good. I went on this date with this, you know, nice lady, and we had a good time. And I know you won't mind because, hey, I'm fully committed to you. But, you know, I mean, like, sometimes I just, there's a lot of nice people out there. I like to meet people. I'm an extrovert, you know. I was like, no, no, she would, well, two things would happen. One, I talked about creating a will last week, and that'd be good because I'd be dead. <laughs> she, would, she would kill me. But two, you would say, you know what, you're not fully devoted to your wife because you have not died to those old things, dating and going out and whatever. And the same thing is true if we want to be a disciple of Jesus. See, we experience his love to such an extent and his grace and his forgiveness and his compassion and his healing in our lives and his Holy Spirit working in such a way that we then respond by saying, I want to deny myself. I want to give up everything for you. And I want to do it because I'm experiencing your love. And, And here's the cool part about it. Usually that goes well for us in this life. Usually denying yourself, caring about other people, putting your needs before theirs, living the way God wants you to live, it goes well for us today in this life. If you go into work and you're a person of integrity and honesty, you don't gossip about people, you're generous with your time, you're generous with your resources, generally it will go good for you at work. If, it, guys, if you're tired at the end of the day and all you want to do is sit down, grab a drink, watch TV, but you get home and your kids are tugging at your legs and they want to play, and you go and you play with them for a couple hours, then you put them to bed, and even though you're tired, you stay up with your wife and you just listen to her, you ask her about her day, you don't, you don't try to solve any problems. Generally, it will go good for you at some point before the next weekend. That's just the way it goes. We live the way God wants us to live. Generally, it goes good for us, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we make the right choice, we live with integrity, and we get fired from our job for it. Sometimes we're generous with our stuff, and we get taken advantage of. Sometimes we don't talk about people behind their backs, and they keep on talking about us behind our back. And in those moments, here's what I'm going to say, even though God sometimes rewards us here for doing what's right, we're going to find out that he always rewards us in eternity for doing what's right here. Here's how Jesus closes that conversation with his disciples. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Lose your life to save it. And he says this, because the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then when he comes on that day, he will reward each person according to what they have done. That word literally means repaid. You work for your boss for the month, you get repaid for your work at the pay period. He says, look, you might not get rewarded on earth for the good things you do, for living for me, for dying to yourself. But on that day, I'm keeping account. I'm keeping a ledger. Over and over again, the Bible talks about this. And I don't know how I missed it until recently. God's keeping an account of every good thing we do for him. And there's going to be a day where we're going to stand before the throne of God And it's in Scripture. It's called the Bema Seat. And we're going to stand before God's throne, and he is going to judge the things that were wastes of time and worthless, not us, but those things, and get rid of them. 
And then the Bible says he's going to reward us for the things that we've done for him. Literally reward us. I don't know how it's going to look, but I know it's going to be great. Right now you might be thinking, well, man, if I don't do enough, is heaven going to be like lame for me and really cool for someone else? No, here's the amazing thing about God. The baseline of heaven is infinitely better than your best day on earth will ever be. I mean the baseline. For the person who literally just had a horrible life, all they did was like kill people and, you know, think bad things and like root against the Niners all, your, all their life. Like for those kind of people who then give their life to God on their deathbed and then die, the baseline is going to be better than the best person on earth's best day on earth. And here's the crazy thing about God. It just goes up from there. So some people are going to get more in heaven than other people. More reward. More treasure, the Bible says. Because God wants to repay us. He wants to reward us in heaven for the work we do now. When I decided I wanted to go into ministry, I was substitute teaching third grade. Loved it. I had this long-term gig. I got to play handball twice a day and, and jump rope. It was really, really fun. And I was also, I was doing ministry. I was volunteering, and I was leading this Bible study for a group, and half of them weren't following Jesus, and half were. And throughout that Bible study, everybody in the group became a follower of Jesus. And I remember deciding, should I go on staff? Should I go on ministry full-time, or should I become a teacher? Being a teacher is a great gig. I love it. My family's all in education. But here's what I thought to myself. If I could do this thing, this whole, like, helping people experience God thing for the rest of my life and somehow get paid for it at the end, that's it for me, man. I'm hooked. And I haven't regretted it. I love my job. I look forward to it every day. And some of you who have great jobs know what that's like. You love your job, and you just happen to get paid for it, right? And it, that's just an added bonus. It's a cherry on top of the Sunday. Some of you work for a paycheck or work for the weekend. I don't have anything for you on that one. Um, but maybe, uh, nope. I'll plug life groups at a different point. There are life groups about that stuff, though, so get ready. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. We don't work in this life for the reward. We work in this life because we've experienced so much from our Creator, from our Savior. And the cherry on top is that when we get to heaven, we get rewards for it. So the question we should all be asking ourselves is, well, how can, I, how can I get this reward? How can I store up this treasure? How can I build up my storehouses in heaven? And here's what I would say to that. To store up your rewards in heaven, you have to start first by entering into a loving relationship with God where you follow him completely. And this is how you know if you're following him completely. You can write this down in the margins. T- excuse me. Time, talent, treasure, and just put question marks next to them. You do the time, talent, treasure test. Here's what I mean by that. If I said to my wife, again, I went back to her again, I was like, hey baby, I love you so much. You're the only one for me. You're the best. But I never spent any time with her. Would I really be committed to her? No. Any guy who's ever tried that knows you're in trouble. If I said, Maria, you're my only true love, I would do anything for you. I would, I, you know, if I like sang songs to her with my hands in the air, you know, baby, 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 oh, you are the best. I love you. That's, that's I just made that up. 
What if I like saying, I'm singing this to you, baby. She's here. If I did that, but then never used my talents for her, would I really be fully committed to her? And the answer is no. And if I said, Marie, you're the best. I love you so much. But then our anniversary came and her birthday came and, you know, Thursday came and I never bought her anything. Would I really be fully committed to her? No. And it's the same with Jesus. Do you want to know if you're fully surrendered to God? How do you spend your time? How do you spend your talent? Do you serve people? Do you love people? Do you serve God with your talent? And how do you spend your money? If you can answer the three of those with the answer for God, you're storing up treasure in heaven. And the second way we do it is we need to invest in God's kingdom by loving his most valuable commodity people. I love what Romans chapter 13 says about this. It says, Let no debt remain outstanding among you except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves other people has fulfilled the law of God. The commandments that say you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be, they're all summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love doesn't harm a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And he's talking about all the Old Testament laws put together. He says they're summed up in this. Love God and love your neighbor. And that just pretty much encompasses everything. You know, what should I do at work? How should I, how should I live? How should I work? Well, you do it in a way that honors the, your coworkers, that honors your boss. How should I live? How should I be at home? Well, you do it in a way that honors and loves your family, your friends, your neighbors. Uh, I was going to a prayer meeting with some pastors last Thursday morning. We get together every couple of weeks and we pray together. And as I was driving, I turned on to Corona and I saw this elderly man and his car was broken down. And he had uh, a grown son who was, was mentally handicapped in the back seat, and his, the flashers were on. So, uh, so I just pulled over because I was going to help him push his car out of the way, because that's what you do, right? If you see someone who's on the side of the road and you want to love them, you push their car out of the way. And I got there, and there was this gal there, and her back was turned to me. And so I walked up, introduced myself to the man, and the gal turned around, and it was a gal from our church. So I'm talking to her, and she's like, hey, that's my pastor, she says to this guy. And I'm like, and she goes to our, my church. We go to church together. And I asked her, I said, well, what are you doing? Do you know this guy? She said, no, I was just driving to work and his car was broken down, so I pulled over to help. And here's the cool thing. We may never see that guy again, but God took a note of that. And when she gets to heaven and stands before his throne, she's going to receive a reward for that action. I started by asking, how does that day affect me today? Well, if we really love God, if we're really experiencing Him, that day has an incredible impact on today. It impacts everything. It impacts the way we think, the way we talk, the way we live. It, it impacts how we love people and care for people. It, it impacts our reality of dying to ourselves and taking up our cross to follow Him, knowing that at any moment He could call us to give our lives completely. Because we know that there's going to be a day and it's in the book, man. It, it's there. It's going to happen. When we're going to stand face to face with God, and he's going to reward us for every work that we have done. 
I want to be very clear about this as we wrap up. We don't work to earn our anything, to earn our salvation. We don't work to earn God's love. He couldn't love you more than he does right now. And I don't care what you did. I don't care if you guys got in a fight on the way to work. I don't care if you punched your steering wheel. Uh, I don't even care if you punched your husband. If you punched your wife, we need to have a conversation. But guys, sometimes we deserve a little punch in the arm. I don't care how you feel right now. I want to speak some truth into your life. God couldn't love you more than he does right now. You can't earn that. And nothing you can do can unearn it. He loves you because of who he is. And because of who he is, he's calling you into a relationship where then you lay down your life for him and say, God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. And the bonus is that on that day, when you're standing before God, He's got this incredible treasure for you that you can't even imagine. Listen, if the Bible says the streets are paved with gold, imagine what your treasure is going to be like. The baseline of heaven is better than anything anyone has ever experienced here. And it just goes up from there. Pull out those connect cards that I was talking to you about because I want to give you some ways to put this into practice. First, I want to talk to Jesus followers. So if you're here today and you'd say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've, I've given my life to him. I'm a Jesus follower. These next things I'm going to say to you, they're not suggestions and they're not pick and choose. This is not multiple choice. Every answer is correct. So if you're not doing any of these next things, I want to challenge you, surrender your life fully to God and begin to do these things. This isn't everything. This is just some things. But the first one is this, and you can mark this on your connect card if you're going to do it so we can be praying for you. I'm going to give God my time by getting into his word, by reading the Bible and praying every day for a week. I committed, I don't know, a year and a half ago that every single day, no matter what, I'm going to spend time reading the Bible and praying. And by the way, preaching doesn't count. Okay, I decided that when I preach, I still, I'm still going to read my Bible on my own and pray because it's that important to me. I want to be in relationship with God. Friend, he wants to be in a relationship with you. Give him your time. I'm going to give God my talent by getting involved in some aspect of ministry or service this week. And if you're already involved in ministry and service, great. You don't need to mark it again. This is not like a, a checklist. Remember, this doesn't earn anything in terms of salvation. This is for you to know, for us to be praying for you. But if you're not serving anywhere, if you're not doing ministry somewhere, start doing it now. Use your talent. God wants to bless you for it. Every time you get up early and you serve in kids' life or you come and you're a greeter or you're on the worship team or you're leading a life group or you're doing child care, whatever it is, every time you do that, God, God's just marking it down. He's keeping a tally. He's going to reward you in heaven. And here's this one. I'm going to give God my treasure. I'm going to start regularly tithing. That means giving 10% back to God. And generally that comes through the local church. This is the one where you're like, I knew it. God wants something from me. Yeah, he wants something from you. He wants your life. He wants, your li- he wants everything from you because he's given everything for you. And the Bible talks about giving back 10% because it frees us from the hold of money. And it communicates to God, God, I'm fully yours. So if you're not tithing, you should start. God's keeping track, and I guarantee his interest plan is great when you get to heaven. How about this one? I'm going to find someone to love this week who can't pay me back. It's easy to love someone when they can pay you back. 
would challenge you, find someone to love this week who can't do anything for you in return, who can't pay you back. So those are for Jesus people. If you're a Jesus follower, if you'd say, you know what, I've given my life to God, that is for you. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Jesus follower, you're checking this out. Maybe you prayed a prayer when you were five, but that didn't impact your life at all. You're on that whole, like, I was born into it, or I prayed it, or maybe I've never been around it. It has no impact on my life. I would challenge you today to respond to God's incredible love. He loves you with a a love that's so deep and so real that he gave everything for you. The Bible says that he loves you so much, he gave his only son, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, so that anyone who believes in him would never perish, but would have everlasting life. It says that God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn you. He doesn't want you to feel guilty or bad, but to save you. Because you need saving. Because you've got this thing called sin in your life, and sin has this effect that it causes you to hurt yourself, to hurt other people, and to hurt God. And God wants to free you from the power of sin. He wants to forgive you for the sins you've committed. He wants to wipe your slate clean, and he wants to empower you in this life. And if you've never made that commitment today, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can simply pray it along with me. And then you can begin to live a life that's fully surrendered to God. So would you join me? Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want to talk to you if you've never entered into that first-time relationship with Jesus. If you sense God is calling you, if you sense he's stirring something in you, I want to give you just a second to prepare for the biggest decision of your life and the best decision of your life. To enter into a fully committed relationship with your creator, God, who loves you, who knows you, and who can't imagine living another day without you. So if you sense God calling you, to himself. You can pray this simple prayer. Just repeat it after me, either in your heart quietly, or you can whisper it out loud. People around you aren't going to think you're weird. You can say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on a cross and rose again. And somehow in that, I know that you brought about the forgiveness of my sins. And today I want to enter into a relationship with you where I follow you and you lead me. So would you come and would you fill me with your spirit? Would you guide me to do what is right as I follow after you? Would you help me to experience all that I have? Because today I say that I want this relationship that you're offering. I look forward to the rewards and the blessings that someday I'll receive, but more than anything today, I want you. And so I give myself to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you made that decision, I want you to mark that on your card and turn it in so we can be praying for you and connecting with you this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.